Welcome to the Health and Biz Bites podcast. I'm your host, Mike Beverly. Thanks for tuning in today. This podcast is dedicated to individuals and professionals who desire to learn more about the subject and business aspects of non-traditional technologies and approaches to better health and vitality. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Beverly, the host of Health and Biz Bites. And today, we are honored to have Cole Birchback. She's the co-founder of Total Potential. She's an author, unbeatable mind coach, registered dietitian, and certified yoga instructor. She has spent the past 20 years working in health and wellness, and several formative events led her to a deep passion for families and the magic that unfolds when we see family as an opportunity, not an obstacle. She supports one-on-one and group coaching, breath and meditation work, and yoga and Pilates training. She lives in Wisconsin with her husband and three children, and we are delighted to have Cole on the show. Welcome, Cole. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, you're more than... uh, we're we're excited and you're more than welcome to be on the show. And as I'm reading your your resume there, your your uh expertise in yoga and Pilates would be a big plus in my wife's eyes. That's the two <laughs> things that she goes to the gym for this morning. There you go. <laughs> yoga. Tomorrow morning will be Pilates. So there you go. She's a big Excellent. fan. So tell us a little bit about your background and where you grew up and how this all evolved. Yeah. So I grew up in Minnesota. I had a pretty, I would say kind of like standard upbringing in the Midwest. Um, Lots of family around close relationships with parents and brother and all that good stuff. Um, But I always had this interest in health and wellness. Even when I was like a sophomore in high school, I remember that I had already kind of you know, I knew I couldn't see the insides of people. So being some kind of a doctor was not going to work for me. <laughs> and I, but I really cared about that health and wellness space. So I already knew at that age, even I wanted to be a dietitian and I grew up an athlete. So I, you know, had that physical movement, like urge always. Um, so then I became a registered dietitian. I worked in a hospital setting for many years and uh, then stayed home to raise my babies. And uh, after it was, you know, everyone was kind of moving on and getting back into school and whatnot. I just didn't know that I could go back into disease management. I had some really great experiences in that field, but I um, just had so much more of an urge and calling to support people uh, feeling awesome and thriving before they ever got to a point where things were, you know, needing significant repair or major life (laughs) shifts uh, related to disease. So yeah, so then I, you know, became certified as a yoga instructor and a coach and really just have had such a fun, um, transformative experience walking people through finding the good sooner, finding more of themselves sooner and not necessarily having to meet like a tragic or incredibly hard life event 
to say, oh, interesting, I get to make a choice here. So it's been a long and windy path through health and wellness, but that's how I got here. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. So what sports did you play as a as an athlete growing up? I played soccer and basketball. Basketball was kind of my main jam. Um, and I maybe might have played past high school, but I just, uh, there's still parts of sports that really kind of rub me the wrong way in certain aspects. And I just didn't want to keep that going. So, uh, you know, switching into then teaching aerobics and water fitness and those kinds of things when I was in college, uh, still, you know, learning and growing and understanding the body and all those things. It's always fascinated me. Well, that is cool. And uh, I love water aerobics. My wife and I go to uh, a condo every summer down in South Florida for a couple of weeks. And uh, one of the most fun things we do as a couple is to go to the water aerobics. Awesome. <laughs> they have that every morning at eight o'clock. So it's pretty cool. Pretty Excellent. cool. So, uh, so how did you were in, sounds like traditional medicine and practicing yeah. there how how long did you did your career last there yeah I spent seven years working in a hospital before it was time I mean I had three young kids and as a dietitian believe it or not you don't make very much money so it was uh time to just stay home and stay focused on the family but I had some really um formative experiences I worked with um patients that had cystic fibrosis, which is a, you know, life altering condition that requires significant amounts of therapy and medication. And it's, you know, it's an all hands on deck kind of illness, especially I was mostly working with children. Um, and in that environment really saw how the family dynamic so deeply impacts what, what the trajectory looked like for any one child. And that's where this kind of shift toward wellness became something that was just burning inside of me. Like, oh, interesting. There's this thing that has nothing to do with medicine. There's this whole other thing happening in the environment, in the background that so heavily influences the experience and health and wellness of these children. And we, we taught, I mean, there's social workers in clinic. There's, it's not like it's not thought about, but it's secondary. And my experience was like, I think that might be <laughs> somewhere in a, a higher uh, part of the hierarchy when we think about, you know, managing a lifelong illness. So that was a really important um, shift for me in my career. And what um, what were some of the remedies or methods that you used to help those children? Yeah. So even really, so you know, from my seat as a dietitian even simple things like helping families learn how to manage and engage in a positive mealtime. For, for so many of us, if, if you have positive mealtimes as a family, you think that that's just how families work, right? But it's not, <laughs> there's lots of things that happen. Um, but even something that seems so simple, you know, that, that type of thing, that type of interaction happens every day. And so how do you optimize those small places again, from the dietitian seat around food, around grocery shopping, around meal planning, around um, how we talk about food, you know, more behavioral stuff rather than like, please eat this, this, and this. It became this, this other dynamic that you really had to get your hands around in order 
for a family to feel successful because you know, the caveat is children with cystic fibrosis, they need to grow and they need to grow to their potential. You need the largest lungs that you can have to have the longest life that you can have with that particular condition. And I shouldn't say need it's, it's, you have a better chance at better outcomes when you have grown to your full potential, but guess what? That puts tons of pressure on families <laughs> to <laughs> make sure the kids are eating a lot, eating often, all of these things. And it, it twists the dynamic really quickly. So yeah, even that small place, family meals is a great example where there's a lot of things that can make huge benefits in the way the family operates and the way the family interacts with one another that have nothing to do with the food even being served, for example. Well, that that is so important. I know I grew up in a family that was quite dysfunctional and mealtimes at our home could be a war zone. Absolutely. And a lot of families have that. And uh and so, so my wife has been just so amazing and so kind and so loving because she's she's witnessed my family before my parents passed away, and and saw some of the uh, negative uh, experiences. So mm -hmm. she is so, you know, I wouldn't say hell bent, but she's determined that we have a positive uplifting loving dinner time yeah. every day every day and so uh, that i can relate to so much of what you're saying because i feel so much better and have such a better outlook on my psyche my life and everything because of her positive expectations there so and i'm sure you you saw that as well a hundred percent yes yeah was it difficult with families that were maybe a little dysfunctional, educating yeah. them along the right path in the right direction? You know, like any change that we make, right? It really has to kind of come in small bite-sized pieces so that families feel like they can do it. You know, imagine having, having a young family and then imagine that one of those in some of the cases, more than one of those children has a disease that requires hour long treatments in the morning and then at night and medications all day and all of these things. Um, you can imagine how sort of chaotic the environment can get just baseline raising family, let alone uh, throwing this, you know, extra um, huge responsibility into it. And so it really had to be bite-sized chunks, small little changes, and you really have to be sensitive because there's a lot of uh, dynamics that are very cultural. There's a lot of dynamics that are very um, kind of set in stone. No one, no, the parents have never experienced something different than that to even have a reference point so that there's even another option over there. And so you really have to um, model <laughs> the way you might talk about these things really have to be sensitive to what people's experiences are and where the changes can legitimately be made like for them, not because I think something over here from my seat, but because they see an opportunity. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it was never like wave a magic wand and make it happen, but yeah, it just, it's like a dance. <laughs> Those conversations with families always just a dance because everyone's trying their best. And even if it's not looking great, it's still, they're putting their best foot forward and you have to, you know, appreciate at least that. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And folks, if this were a video podcast, which is audio, you could, you could see the joy 
in Cole's eyes as she was describing that situation. So obviously, I, I'm I'm certain you had a very positive impact on those families. I hope so. <laughs> I um, loved working with them, so I I do truly hope that yeah. Well, that's did something to help. That was apparent in your audio presentation, but I'm here looking at the joy <laughs> in your eyes. So, so that's interesting. So, so now how does uh, your yoga and your Pilates training and all of that fit into what you're currently doing? Yeah. So one of my closest held beliefs, and this is not only what I see in other people, but what my own experience has been, which is that kind of two parts. Number one, I come from a very like body first approach. You can do all the mental training you want. You can do all the emotional develop you want. But if you live in a body that is um, dysfunctional, that is poorly nourished, that doesn't know how to move, like that impacts what's available in all of those other areas. So I really come from like a, you have to take care of the physical body as a number one step. So yoga and Pilates obviously <laughs> dip into that. And the second part is that both of those, I mean, yoga as itself is, if you take it as such a developmental path and it's a beautiful path, um, you know, in the West, it often is conflated to fitness and that's fine it still has a purpose as fitness. Um, but there's certainly a lot of other parts of training that you can experience through yoga and Pilates is awesome because your body has to operate, uh, from an integrated place in order to really successfully, um, move the way Pilates is designed to be done. And it, with the sequence of movements that are designed to be done, um, and that's the second piece, that integration piece. My, you know, yes, body first, that's a very closely held belief. Another closely held belief is that we are whole and we have an opportunity to return to our wholeness. And why not use the body to do that? Something like yoga and Pilates is a great way to integrate the physical system so that other parts of the system, the mind, the emotions, the spirit, the intuition can also be integrated into the system uh, just using a body approach. So that's how those fit in for me. Well, that's that's interesting. I know my wife, uh, I, I, I want to do yoga again. My wife had me go a couple of years ago at our local gym. They have a really amazing yoga instructor there. And I went, and and I'm sad to say, Cole, I felt like a duck out of water. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> and and so they had me doing things that I had never done before, and and I just felt so awkward that I I didn't go. I I, I went a few times, but I, I did go to the the one yoga class where they have you hanging on a suspended uh, oh sure like an aerial yes 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 <laughs> that was that was I liked that a lot I liked that a lot but but being on the floor and I have to admit this was early on in 2020 after I'd gone through a major health crisis so I was not in very good shape then and my body ached all over so sure so, and and yoga believe it or not can be very strenuous Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely can be very strenuous. I, yeah, I know people love hot yoga. I have never done hot yoga and I honestly don't think I ever will because, um, 
yoga done from a really integrated perspective will make you sweat like crazy. You don't need extra heat <laughs> to yeah. be able to burn a lot of energy if you really are integrated in a pose. So that's just my own little, I know a lot of people will be like, what? I love hot yoga and that's cool, but it's not my vibe. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I were visiting, uh, some family in Atlanta area. And there was a yoga studio on the strip where we were visiting some other, some eating establishments. And my wife walked in and the lady said, Oh, we've got a hot yoga class just starting right now. And, but it was cold there outside. Mm -hmm. So my wife thought, Oh, that'd be a good idea. And then she, <laughs> she spoke with some other people like you felt like, oh, I, you know, there's enough going on without yeah. In a hot yoga class. So, yes. <laughs> it was interesting. So, well, wh where do you see yourself going, Cole, say for the next couple of years and what you're currently involved with? Yeah, I love teaching yoga and Pilates. I love teaching breath and meditation work. Um, you really get to watch a lot unfold for people about what they believe about themselves, what they believe is possible for themselves, how they treat themselves um, as they grow more at home in their body. And so those for me are beautiful practices. I love teaching them. I love kind of walking side by side and doing the work in the physical arena with other people. Um, so there'll be more of that for sure. And then I love coaching. I, um, you know, in the coaching space, it's easy to think like, oh, I'm going to be told what to do or how to do it. And do I have tools? For sure, I have tools. <laughs> but the superpower of coaching is curiosity. And I would never, my, you know, I really love sitting across from somebody or virtually as it often um, may be and watching someone find the awareness of their own truth just by asking a question. And it's something that they've probably been hunting for, something they're looking out in the environment for, something they're looking to other people to help shine light on. But I really believe that every answer you've ever needed is already inside of you. And if you have the space to like, let it rise up, it will. Um, and so that kind of work in coaching, it just, oh my goodness, it, it's life-giving to be able to even just hold somebody's hand for a short time to a space where they can find what's true inside of them and start believing better, more powerful things about themselves. And then the way that impacts how they show up in the world. So I love that work and that will continue to unfold. That's cool. Now your breath and meditation work, is that done like in a class setting or one-on-one -on -one or both? Both. Yeah. Um, at the, like the local studio where I teach, definitely that's part of uh, the practice that I get to share with people. And then there's certainly, there's always an opportunity to help a person create a practice. And that can look a little bit more like coaching, like, okay, how do you feel in your body? How can we, let's try these different breath practices to address that sense in the body, um, help create space between thoughts. And, and that can be a little bit shorter, like kind of let's make it happen, start practicing. We'll have a little bit of a check-in. For some people, they want to, have like let's sit on a call for an hour and you'll lead practice and that's like that that that's my practice to be led through breath and meditation visualization work so it takes lots of different shapes and forms um but yeah they're 
such powerful practices and offer so much to people. So that is so true. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Shakti Gawain? No. He wrote a book called Creative Visualization. Okay. And and one of my friends here locally in Central Florida told me about the book two years ago, and I got it last year. But this year, I have been very diligent about meditating and breathing. And part of her, part of her, she has a actually a, a subsequent audible where she does takes you through meditation and visualization exercises. And the whole purpose is to slow down the body, breathe. And, you know, and so here's what's happened to me in doing this for six months, my blood pressure, which has had a tendency to be high <laughs> for a number of years is now ridiculously low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and, and I, I'm getting, I'm getting the best medical checkups that I've had in 30 years. Yeah. And and I, I would love to say I've been disciplined to do it every day, but I, I know I do it several times a week. I, yeah, I want to yeah. do it. I want to do it every day. And, and what I've heard, and you may, you can probably give me some insight on this is that even if you do it 10 minutes, yeah, that's beneficial. Is that true? Absolutely. And so, um, I don't, this isn't spoken about a lot, so this might be kind of a out there point of view, but my own experience with breath and meditation is that creating the habit of it and building the awareness around what happens when you quiet the mind that absolutely takes discipline and practice. Um, some kind of a, a quick daily or some kind of, you know, two to three times a week, I sit for a certain period of time. Like there's a certain learning of breath and meditation. That's absolutely critical to being able to move through it in a way where it can be at will. So it takes like getting the reps. Oh, you start to almost build like this map of how you get okay, first I use my breath and I notice my body gets calmer. Then I keep with my breath and I notice my mind might calm down a little bit. And you move through these steps until you have this area where there's space. It's the best word I can use to describe it. But as you kind of build that pathway, you can get to it. And, I, and I, the, I'm careful with the words here because in our society, it's very easy to be like, oh, I achieved something by doing that, which yoga would be like, yeah, no, 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 no. Like we're trying to have non-attachment, not like, oh, that's mine. And now I get it every time. And it's kind of a, you know, careful dynamic there. But it, as you can learn to walk that path, you can start to get there really quickly. And so maybe Maybe you still love having a daily practice and it, you, it's a meaningful creative time for you, or it's, it makes your whole day feel different. If you start with it in the morning, awesome. And there can come a point where you can access that shift in breath, that shift in state of mind, that shift in state of body, like just with a couple of breaths. And so then you might in a moment's notice in a stressful situation or, oh, interesting. I noticed my mind's thinking about something that I actually don't want to spend any energy on can use the breath to like instantaneously almost shift to something different. So yeah, you don't hear that many people talk about that though. They always say like, oh, you got to do it every day and you do to build the habit and build the pathway. But then it 
there's some flexibility right. <laughs> available after yeah, that. I've, I've heard, I've heard people say they do it, you know, three or four times a day. And, mm -hmm. and I have, there've been days when I've felt a little stressed and I'll just go to another room, lay down and, and do five minutes of slow breathing, count from mm -hmm. 10 backwards and all of that. And, and my, my biggest positive result of that practice is I'm one of those white coat syndrome patients. Mm -hmm. so I can walk into an, a medical office and I start seeing the white coats and I get queasy. And yeah. especially, especially when I have to do blood tests, I've, I've actually passed out. For sure. Before. So I've had to do three of them the last couple of weeks for various tests and, you know, six month blood work. And so I went into the first lab three weeks ago. So I started the breathing exercises that I learned from Shakti Gawain. Mm -hmm. And I envisioned being on the beach in Hanalei Bay, Kauai, Wai, when we went back 12 years ago for a awesome. amazing vacation. So I visualized that and I didn't even feel the stick. Hmm. She poked my arm to do my blood work. So it's like, okay, there's a major yeah. victory. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Major That's victory. why those practices are so cool because they can shift your day-to-day -day experience. And I think, you know, a lot of times when we take on those, we're either a little unsure of like what it would mean as an endpoint or what's going to be different if I do this. That's the perfect example, right? Like you got to completely shift an experience that otherwise, and I, I don't mean to make any assumptions, but if when I feel that way, if I feel really elevated and feel like I can't quite uh, bring myself down, that's a sense that can impact the whole rest of the day if it if it can't be shifted out of, right? You can feel fatigued. You can feel still a little bit anxious. And those are the kinds of things where it's like the practice has so much impact on just the day-to-day -day, like sense of who I am, how I am in my body. And it's a power move. I mean, you know, we think about like lifting heavy weights and doing crazy things, but like sit and do some breath and meditation work. Like it will change your whole life. <laughs> yes. And, and slow down and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, enjoy the moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Cole, um, what, what would be some overall advice you could give our listeners, we've talked about several subjects today, but for, for someone who, you know, hasn't been to yoga, hasn't been to Pilates or hasn't dealt with breath work or meditation, what, what would be some general advice you could offer our listeners that would be of value to them? Yeah. So the first thing is that body first approach. We like, if, if you're, current practice doesn't include things that help you take care of and nourish and feel at home in your body. That for me is the starting point. And I, that can take a lot of different shapes and forms. Maybe you have a practice that you really like and you just want to make it a more routine practice. Maybe you want to get super funky and try something completely out of your wheelhouse that you've never done before and treat it like an experiment or something fun or, you know, almost like an adventure. Um, Maybe it needs to be really, really simple. Maybe you have a young family or, you know, travel a whole bunch for work. And what you need to do is, you know, 10 pushups every time you go into the bathroom or something like there has to be a way to be at home in your body by moving it, by taking care of it, 
that maybe it's you need to start drinking more water throughout the day. I mean, there's so many little nuanced ways that we can start to treat our body better. And for me, that's number one, because man, you live in a, a system that's well cared for. Watch your mind follow, watch your emotions follow, watch what you believe and tell yourself follow. So that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing is really sort of closer to home of the work I love to do with families, which is that for a lot of people with families, we almost treat the family as if it's like something we have to get over or through, like it's somehow in our way. Like we don't have time because of it. We don't have the resources because of it. Um, maybe there's a point of friction and that, that arena, if we're willing to look at it as like, it's going to be my teacher, it's going to shine light on the things where I have work to do. It's going to allow me to show up just exactly as I am present, but aware and willing to ask some questions and not make assumptions of the people around me. That creates a completely different way that a family works and operates together. And I really, truly believe that if families are places of love and integration and the people in them get to be exactly who they were created to be, that that is something that would like heal the world. So it's worth the work, right? Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And that's something I can't agree with more than I do. So those would be the two things that really stand out for me. Well, I think you just gave me the title for this episode. <laughs> a wonderful, a wonderful summation, but as a kind of an attention grabbing title as well. But uh, Cole, if people wanted to reach out to you for uh, coaching, for breath and meditation or anything, uh, how would they do that? Yeah. So you can find lots of information and uh, the different types of things that we offer at, at the website, which is www.thetotalpotential.com. And that you know, is also our social handle at the total potential on different social channels. Um, and if you wanted to reach out personally, my email is Cole at the total potential.com. So yeah, lots of ways to get a hold of us. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So there you are, folks. You have all of the contact handles and emails to reach Cole, and I'll put that in the show notes. But if you'd like to reach out to me to learn more about my mission and passion for alternative health and wellness and that uh, directs folks to people like Cole, you can reach out to me at my website, www.mikebeverly.life. It's M-I-K-E-B-E-V-E-R-L-Y.life. And while you're there, you can click the podcast tab to listen to this episode and many others. And, and I recommend you read a blog or two. We have some recent blogs about stress and how to control that. So uh, avail yourself of that. And we'll look forward to having you back on another episode of the Health and Biz Bites podcast. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey, everyone, and thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you're listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to be listening, please subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and review if you choose to do so. And I'm grateful for you and that you're spending this time with me. Have a wonderful rest of your day.